Good morning. Dan's introduced me. I'm Jeff McKeever. I'm the pastor over at Union Lake Baptist Church, and the saints uh, from there um, greet you. Um, they're praying for you, have been praying for you for quite a long time, and uh, it's, it's really my honor to be with you, with you guys this morning. Um, we'll spend our time in that proverb that was just read, or rather that portion of the proverb, Proverb 31, 10 through 31. I've entitled this, um, this sermon, She is His Hero. I've been to a lot of superhero movies. Maybe you have too, I don't know. Um, in my tenure uh, as a dad, um, my uh, two older daughters are in college now, and Josiah, that's with us, he's in, in high school. Um, and all of them liked superhero movies. And, uh, man, we've seen a lot of them. We've seen Spider-Man and Batman. We've seen Superman and Iron Man, Captain America, and on and on. But not too terribly long ago, I think it was maybe two years ago, Josiah and I went and we saw Captain Marvel. And I don't know what I was expecting, but Captain Marvel's a woman. Did you know that? And, uh, and I did a little bit of reading when I found that out. Um, just, uh, you know, the people that created this movie and these sorts of things. And she was touted by the people in the know that made the movie as the strongest of superheroes in the Marvel franchise. As a lifelong Superman man, uh, that was troubling to me. Um, a pretty novel idea to have a woman portrayed as a great hero, isn't it? But, you know, is it really novel? Can women be heroes? I mean, aren't they supposed to be relegated to sort of lesser roles in the background, not really up front doing anything important? I mean, that's oftentimes what you hear, uh, particularly in God's church, regrettably. But let us turn to that proverb for the time we have this morning, that, that word of God and see that, yes, women are very much heroes in God's economy, or they're called to be. Joint heirs of his promises in Jesus. Co-laborers in the greatest mission ever. Let us be instructed this morning in honoring the women God has put in our lives, in the church, for good and for blessing. Let us examine uh, this rather famous biblical text uh, and see the heroic worth of a wise woman. And as we look carefully at these uh, verses that we've read aloud already um, at the end of the book of Proverbs, uh, there we find wisdom on display. Not maybe where you would have anticipated if you'd never read Proverbs, but rather uh, actually right here the life of an exemplary wife. Now, it's not the first time that we see wisdom personified, wisdom, you know, sort of in a body, right? Uh, it's, it's actually seen at the, uh, at the beginning of uh, the book of Proverbs, where, uh, where wisdom is, uh, is given a voice and, uh, and a persona, if you will, with an urgent message. Back in Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 20 and following, we read this, Wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the market, she raises her voice. How long, O oh simple ones, will you love being simple? 
and fools hate knowledge. If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. So we see wisdom sort of like a person here uh, at the beginning of the book of Proverbs. But did you notice that the person was a woman? It was her voice that was raised in verse 20? I mean, that's pretty alarming. Pretty shocking given the sort of patriarchal structure of nation Israel that, that, that God in the wisdom book, right, consistently employs women to convey uh, his insight to others. For example, this collection of wise sayings begins with Solomon speaking, uh, imploring his son to listen to the wise teaching, but not just of himself. Also in chapter 1 we read this, Hear my son your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. I guess what I'm trying to just lay out for you at the beginning is it's not really all that novel to see a woman as a hero. Not in God's economy. We, we, we see that women are certainly not second-class citizens in the eyes of God. He did not design them to be sort of lesser sidekicks or silent servants to their husband. No, women are created in that invaluable beauty that is the image of their creator, just as men are. As such, they are also created to reflect the beauty and the wisdom of the Lord in everyday life, in the life on the mission for God God gave Eve to Adam to complete him, to aid him uh, on his uh, mission to rule the world God had made with her unique gifts and perspectives, insight and counsel. She was to help him, to bless him, to help push the mission forward. Wives and mothers down to this day in the church follow in her footsteps. They are clothed in God-given strength and ability to help men succeed on the mission to which God calls all of his people. Notice I said that women have God-given strength, strength and ability. You might think strength, again, is sort of a weird word to describe a woman, the, 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 the weaker vessel, right? Strength, really? Is that what you meant, preacher? But as we open to Proverbs 31, we see that the Lord's portrait of the ideal woman isn't the bikini-clad models of Sports Illustrated. It isn't Hollywood stereotypical ditzy cheerleaders or empty-headed trophy wives, or helpless damsels in distress. That's not what we see as we open God's Word. It may shock you, but God's ideal portrait of a godly woman is a woman of strength. But strength as it's defined here in this text. Proverbs, this collection of wise sayings, concludes the way it began with another personification of wisdom. But unlike chapter 1, it's not wisdom in the abstract, but wisdom seen in the everyday life of a godly wife. So this text, I hope you listened for it. It's a familiar text. It can, it can sort of, you know, you can sort of anticipate instead of read when texts like that are, are read. But I hope that you heard certain characteristics. I'm going to try to underscore them for us today. Um, I, I want us to see the text speaking of this excellent wife as an application to other blessed women in your life. As we, as, as we serve, we don't want to, so I guess what I'm trying to say is, we don't want to reduce this as sort of a historical figure that has nothing to do with us. Right? It very much has application to us. 
God has gifted women with strength and ability to bless others. In fact, our text comes to us in a form that sort of emphasizes that fact. This, this text comes to us as a poem in a sort of tradition holding up a hero who's victorious in battle and takes care of their own. That's the sort of structure of this text. And as we walk through this passage together, I want you to imagine something. I want you to imagine a Christian couple that you admire and they're throwing a big party and you've been invited. Okay, and there's sort of people mingling around, and the, the, the husband is the master of ceremonies, and, and we find out that the guest of honor is actually his wife. As, as he mingles with the many guests in attendance, you're able to overhear his conversations, and as you do, you hear three sort of testimonies that he offers about his wife. And this is the first thing that you hear. The first thing you hear is that the man says this, I trust her. I trust her. And we see this sort of uh, in verses 10 through 12. First, refresh your memory on verse 11. The heart of her husband trusts in her. What a beautiful way for for a man to honor his wife, to to actually trust her. Now, not all wives or husbands or friends or people, for that matter, are trustworthy. We know this, right? There are many wives who are disloyal or insulting or lazy or mock their husband's weaknesses, but that is not the kind of wife that's being held up here. Look at how our text begins. An excellent wife who can find she is far more precious than jewels. My notes, uh, um, I'm quoting from the ESV, by the way. The Proverbs consistently pit the wise against the foolish. We know this as we sort of make our way through that book. And, and, and the importance of trusting wisdom over folly is just over and over again. It's a, it's a refrain in this book. And an excellent wife, then, is one who is wise. One who's wise. But we must not import our own definition of wisdom. We do that. We'll, we'll, we'll sort of read something in the Bible and think, I know what that means. And sort of run just, just to our own experience but we have to understand wisdom the way God reveals it to us in his word, and in particular in this book. Very famously in chapter 9 and verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. To fear the Lord, then, is to have personal faith in him, to, to know him, to, to humbly see yourself in proper perspective to him as your creator and, and your redeemer, whose holy judgment and awesome might is, is, what you, is what you humble yourself under, and you see his wisdom as your own, even as you turn from rebellion to trusting in him. Fearing the Lord is also being in awe of him, seeing him as, alone as glorious and worthy of your complete submission and obedience. The reason I'm giving you that definition is that's the sword of woman. That's to be trusted, that has that sort of wisdom. A wife worthy of trust, then, is one whose own trust is in the Lord. She's a woman who sees Christ as worthy of her life and so sees him as the source of all wisdom. She seeks wisdom from God's word in order to know how to think about situations she encounters and how to live a life of blessing to herself and to others. What a rare treasure. In a world full of not only women, but just people, you know, spouting their own wisdom and, and not going to the source of wisdom. What a, what a rare treasure indeed. 
She's far more precious than jewels, verse 10. She's to be trusted because she counsels and encourages her husband and others using godly wisdom. She's to be relied upon because her work and her decisions flow from a biblical perspective. And trusting such a wise woman yields blessing upon blessing. Look at verse 11 and the 12 there. He will have no lack of gain. She does him good but not harm all the days of her life. Now, I know what you're thinking. No woman could live up to this. I mean, why are we even going through this exercise, right? But remember that the Bible calls us to faith in a Savior who's able to do far more abundantly than we can do, that we can even imagine that that could be done. When people find their identity in the one who died in their place and, and rose again, who empowers them to live through his resurrection power, they can do things that are quite impossible otherwise. Have you ever had that, that sort of experience where a brother or sister offers you a simple word and you think, how oh, profoundly helpful. It's like God himself speaking to me. This is what can be done. This is what is done over and over again through the voice of a wise woman, a a wife who finds her wisdom in God's wisdom. When people find their identity in him, their wisdom in him like that, they can do things we can't even imagine. We go to the book of Hebrews, refresh your memory. Hebrews 11, verse 33. Countless people of faith doing things like conquering kingdoms, stopping the mouths of lions, quenching the power of fire, being made strong out of weakness, mighty in war, and on and on. That sounds like the sort of stuff we need for the mission. And so, yes, God can use women of faith in extraordinary ways to bless the men in their lives, the children in their lives, other women in their lives engendering trust in them. Hebrews used a lot of military feats uh, as, as fruits of faith, conquering kingdoms, mighty and war and such. And it's this very metaphor, the meta- metaphor of the hero in battle that the Proverbs uses to describe the exemplary wife. The ESV calls her an excellent wife, while other translations have a wife of noble character, but the Hebrew there has this idea of being a woman of strength. She's seen as battling with her husband in the war of life that brings real challenges. By by living a life of faith in the Son of God, she's equipped to live wisely, bringing good to her husband. Look at the second part of verse 11 again. He will have no lack of gain No lack of gain because of his trust in her. And the word for gain here is another military word. It's the word for looting or plundering your defeated enemy, claiming their treasures as your own. It's really quite inspiring when you think about it. A woman who faithfully employs God's wisdom to help her husband to bring about victories of faith is a woman worthy of his trust. I wonder if there's such women in your life. Think for a moment. God uses lots of people in the church to build us up, to encourage us, to, to, to convince us to act courageously when we want to cower, to remind us to believe 
that what Jesus has told us is true, and we should act in a manner worthy of it. Think about that. It is right to honor, to honor women that God employs to help us on the mission. How many times has God used a strong woman of faith in my own life to help me approach a big problem with the right perspective when I'm, when I'm sort of using all of my other sort of ways to tackle uh, a problem that are quite apart from faith? How many times a, a wise woman has counseled me to stop not doing anything and take a, a step forward in faith? exhort me to do my Christian duty when I'm tempted to shrink from it. That's heroic kind of help, isn't it? Okay, put yourself back at the party. Remember, you were listening to this man, and he's, and he's having conversations and greeting various, various guests. And the first thing, as I said, you heard him say was, I trust her. And, and the next, as he shakes another guest's hand, he, you hear him say, I am what I am because of her. I am what I am because of her. And we see this in verses 13 through 27. Look first at verse 24 there. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. A man sitting among the elders at the gates of the city is himself an elder, a well-respected leader of the community in that day. He's able to pursue such leadership, we're told here, because of his wife's commitment to wisely work for the good of their family and also for the community. Like, his success is because of her in a very real way. The work of an excellent wife, as outlined in this section, is basically an exposition of Colossians 3, 23 and 24. Whatever you do, work heartily, as for the Lord, not for men, knowing that from the Lord you'll receive the inheritance as your reward. You're serving the Lord Christ. Women of true wisdom see sacrifice and hard work for others as reasonable service to Jesus. Reasonable service to the one who died so she might live forever with her God. I mean, this... This ancient proverb is pointing forward to that very reasonable service that flows from a devotion to Jesus. It's not that her work being, being for Christ has nothing to do with her husband. That's, that's not what I'm saying. But the source of her wise living is a fear of the Lord, as I mentioned earlier. It's, that's, that's where that heartbeat for worshipful service comes from. That delight in knowing that the Lord is for you. There's, there's at least two other ways to understand her husband being respected in the community because of his wife. First, his attention's not divided. He need not worry that she will shirk her responsibilities. He doesn't have to sort of run behind her and make sure she's doing what she's supposed to do. Looking at these descriptions shows her going above and beyond to bless her husband and her family and anyone else that she has the power to influence uh, for good. She's so trustworthy that her husband's free to give himself to serving people in his community. I mean, isn't that the delight of having a Christian wife? A man that wants to serve God and has a wife that wants to serve God and his people also? That's real freedom, friends. That, that, that gives, gives a man just the joyful sort of liberty... Right? To, to do what's in front of him for God. 
knowing that his wife is doing likewise. Secondly, his wife's reputation, far from detracting from his own, actually enhances his reputation. He's a respected elder in large measure due to her commitment to serve her family and the people in her neighborhood and the surrounds of her home. This complementary effect is codified in the qualifications of officers in God's church. Like, for example, 1 Timothy 3.11. Their wives likewise must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. I mean, the upshot is that an, an immature, notorious woman can actually disqualify a man from serving in God's church, like as a deacon, for example. But a faithful wife actually commends him to the role. Many of us heard testimony yesterday about Kelly's devotion to her Savior and her family and her church. I mean, there are countless things we could say about that. But one thing I'm certain of, it furthered Dan's reputation here. I'm confident of that. It allowed him to serve you with a freedom and a, and, and a joy he could not have enjoyed without her faithfulness. No doubt you trust, your trust of him is in no small measure based on your trust of her. It's a package deal. Kelly's commitment to serve the Lord and his people, in short, her reputation, complemented and expanded Dan's. The testimony was consistent yesterday. She was truly an excellent wife. She's precious to Dan, and so he too could say, I am what I am because of her. So what does a woman of godly strength look like? What is that reputation that I was just mentioning? What, is, what does that, that consist of? Well, we see it in this extended section in the middle of our passage. I think sheer volume of its content and wide range of topics covered speak to the massive potential a godly woman can have on her family and on all those around her. We only have time to sample just a few of the descriptions and, and, and make a few comments here, conclusions. But I hope it will have its impact. A noble wife is, is a woman who sees her days as earmarked for God's service. Today's yet another day to serve him. To use the language of Romans 12, she sees herself as a living sacrifice to him. Consider the descriptions of her regular hard work here in this text. Over and over we see descriptions of her working with her hands five times in the passage. Not to mention the surprising description in verse 17. She dresses herself with what? strength and makes her arms strong. I mean, that's hard work what's being described here. Heroic work, if you will. We don't see her offering reluctant or begrudging service, but rather she works with willing hands, verse 13. What's more, it's not occasional hard work, but that of regular long days. This is the pattern of her faithful life. Verse 15, she rises while it is yet night. Verse 18, her lamp does not go out at night. We get that idea, that picture of burning it at both ends, right? An excellent wife also uses all her faculties for good. Not all women have the exact same strength and abilities, of course. But whatever she has, she offers in service to God and, and others. She oversees the ministry of caring for others. She, she not only feeds her own family in this text uh, and, and, and even her servants, 
but mercifully provides for those who are in need around her. We see that in 14 and 15 and 20. Her tender heart is evidence of godly strength in a world without compassion, without love for neighbor. I mean, that's a real beacon of Christ. To have a, a noble woman, a woman of strength, serving God, when everybody around her is serving themselves. That's a real witness to the Lord Jesus Christ and how he transforms people. She sees the financial needs of her home as very much her concerns. She makes bed coverings and clothing herself, verses 21 to 4. She even earns money by selling some of them and investing that money in other ventures, 16, 18, 24. Perhaps this is how the husband can afford to serve as a community leader. Many of God's preachers, his pastors, have wives that support that work through, uh, through work of their own, teaching piano lessons and careers and whatnot. Even in this ancient text, you see allowance for women in the world of business. However, it is seen to serve her responsibilities to her household and even to those in need of mercy in her community. And so these are not things that are pitted against each other. Finally, the strength of a wise woman is seen in her words. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. Friends, do you know women like this in your life? It's like Bibles always falling sweetly off their tongues. What a blessing. I mean, we know that we receive blessing from the reading of God's word. It's, it's his voice to us that is being spoken. But oh, to have a, but have a godly woman that are reminding us of God's words also. What a sweetness to us. Her dignity is seen in her godly example and wise counsel that she offers to others. And what a powerful effect this can have. She's armed with biblical truth and able to share it as different occasions require. This is not somebody that just has a couple of go-to verses. The Bible's in her. She loves her Lord and, and the words that he gives her. So she's armed with this truth in, in all of these different situations so that the goodness of God's grace can transform others through it. She knows that own transformation. The gospel has had its effect on her, and she's speaking it to others in all different sorts of contexts. Praise the Lord to, to use heroes like that in his economy, in his mission. Women are in no way left out of great commission work because they're not preaching from the pulpit on a Sunday morning, for example. No, they're, they're locked hand in hand with men as they push the gospel forward with the strength that God supplies in Christ's word. But great value is a woman who engages herself in making disciples and encouraging her husband and peers and the, with the wisdom and promises of God. Great work. That, that's why a husband will have no lack because of her. The victory will be won together through Christ's strength. It's really exciting. I, I, hope, I, I hope that your, your hearts are leaping in your chest at, at what God might do in you, friends. God gives us this great privilege to go out with his authority, with his presence, with his word, I mean, we just need go. 
All of the different situations we find ourselves in, how many different ways we can be employed after the model of this heroic, exemplary wife. According to Proverbs 3.18, such ministry is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. That is her ministry of speaking the truth. Those who hold her fast are called blessed. How many people can look to a godly woman who led them to Christ? or who offered a kind rebuke that spared them from great harm? How many people can look to a woman of strength and say, I am what I am because of her? Well, that was the second thing that you overheard the man say at that party. As he welcomes the last of the party goers, you watch his lips as he forms these words, perhaps from across the room. There is no one like her. You see that in verses 28 to 31. Look first at 29. Many women have done excellently, but you surpassed them all. The key word in this final section is praise, and rightly so. Those who live out of a fear of the Lord, those who live lives governed by faith, bring great blessing to their family and friends, and even their wider community. This brings glory to God, and friends, it's worthy of praise. It's worthy of honor. Romans tells us to pay to all what is owing to them. Respect to whom respect is owed. Honor to whom honor is owed. And that is the appropriate response for all who under the blessed gospel influence issue forth a life of service and blessing. Notice both husband and children alike commend this woman Sometimes it takes children maturing over years to rightly do this. But fathers, husbands, ought to take a lead in this. Do you do this, guys? Do you cultivate a, 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 what, a, an atmosphere in your home where your wife, the mother of your children, is being praised before them? It's a, it's a good thing. It, it honors God to honor him his strength in her. Doing so, by the way, should flow from a thankful heart for Christ's service from which her service flows. Our Heavenly Father sets us the example twice praising the work of His Son. One of those examples, Matthew 17, 5. This is my beloved Son with whom I'm well pleased from the, from the clouds. I want to be careful here, right? We want to honor our wives as servants of Christ. But boy, when we see when we see somebody sacrifice for the Lord, when we see somebody consistently push the mission forward out of fear of the Lord, that's to be honored. That's to be lifted up. If for no other reason, it encourages other people to, to, to walk behind her in those footsteps. So friends, let us follow our Father's example and honor Christ in the women in our lives. Now this doesn't encourage men to offer false praise or size up their wives by comparing them to other women, but to recognize her work as motivated by Christ receiving glory that's how, that's how Paul spoke of his own service in Philippians 1. He wrote, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, 
Now, if we just stopped there, we might have heard an excellent wife saying that. Right? I, I, I want to stay here with you, continue with you for, for your progress, for your joy in the faith. We might hear our own wives say that. But he goes on and he says, So that, this is the reason, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus. Honoring women in, in Christ recognizes that in God's sovereign kindness to you, he's given you someone he has perfectly designed to bless and encourage you, to employ her strength that's his to help you on the mission to which Christ has called you. And we ought to, we ought to praise that. That's reason enough to praise, praise God, reason enough to bring glory to Christ. And that is her purpose. Look at her in love and thanks for the woman God made her to be and look even beyond in hope to the woman he will yet shape her into and the ministry that's yet before her even as she grows more and more into the image of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's a good reminder, I think, for us to, to see the, the, the manifold wisdom and beauty of God in his church, which includes these sisters in the faith. And for you, ladies, continue to look to Christ's work for your worth. Right? It's easy to, it's easy to start to slip into that pattern of like seeing your, your, your own labors as, as sort of, you know, what's commendable about you, like, like where your worth is found. Continue to look to Christ's work and, and your work as a, as a as an act of, of worship in return. Let your work be a sacrifice of praise, not a means of favor with God. So work hard, yes. I mean, get up early, stay up late, this pattern, right? I'm not saying to do literally that. But to, but to, but to work hard with what he's given you, the abilities and strengths and gifts that he's given you. But work in freedom. Work in the freedom of knowing that God loves you because he loves his son and you're united to him by faith. I, I hope that's a blessing to you. I hope that's a, a blessing to you just to, to see how God is working in us. The Lord Jesus Christ is working in us, even in the everyday service that we give each other. I mean, I think that is just a, a profound thing. It shows God's love for us in the everyday, moment-by-moment moment need of the strength that even a godly woman could provide. Let me pray for us. Father, I, I pray that you would encourage our hearts, that you would stir up in us a delight in Jesus so that we might want to devote our lives to him still further. To see each day as a, as a day to serve others in his name. And oh God, help us to honor others when we see that happening. Help us to have a, a word of praise on our lips of you because of the, servants of your, of the service of your saints. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.